Welcome. Hyperfixation is an odd phenomenon. To best define it, it's often a coping mechanism, where people fixate and immerse themselves in an activity, hobby, or topic to the point where they can't focus on anything else. For those who don't experience hyperfixation, it can be confusing to have to deal with someone who does. I myself get super excited about things like movie directors and podcasts, and for my girlfriend, it can be a bit much when I end up going on a tangent. So for me, I want to learn about other people's hyperfixation, what it is, how they got into it, and how it serves them. I hope you'll want to dive into this topic as much as I do on My Girlfriend Hates My Podcast. Cool. On this episode of My Girlfriend Hates My Podcast, I'm joined by a guest that I'm very excited to talk to for the first time. She is the New York-based co-host of the Sauce Podcast and also the creator of the political superhero webcomic Gynostar. Welcome, Rebecca Cohen. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being on. All right. Cool, cool. Well, uh, the basic premise of My Girlfriend Hates My Podcast is that it's a podcast on hyperfixation, uh, the phenomenon that people are talking more and more about on the internet of just having that thing that you really get into and it kind of just like encompasses what your mind is at that moment. And so I wanted to have you on because you yourself host a podcast where you talk about many things in a lot of detail and a lot of um, <laughs> in a lot of interesting directions. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Um, so I have to tell you, in all honesty, I don't really know what hyperfixation is. Yeah. I'm not really familiar with it as a term or a concept. Okay. And I'm I'm not sure how it differs from um, just hyper focus, which is definitely a thing for me. I have ADHD. Yeah. Or yeah. versus like interests and, and hobbies. Yeah, definitely. So hyperfixation is commonly related to hyperfocus, um, especially um when you're talking about like uh a neurotypical communities and such, um, in terms of like the way it kind of goes beyond, um, and in many ways, hyperfixation is related to hobbies um, and other interests in that it's that thing that, like, you get into it and then you just kind of, like, you hyper-focus on that hobby, so to say. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. And so I've talked about this with other people. I've had a friend who... um he's talked about how like uh he he himself is also has a ADHD and he talked about how you know video games are him a hobby for him himself uh but also he hyper focuses when he gets into it so he just kind of like it's not just that he plays them but then he like reads about it, looks, uh, does research online, learns about, like, the creators and this and that, like, would go, like, on Wikipedia and just, like, oh, let me find out who the the dev was and who yeah, yeah. got to know everything was. about it, yeah. Right, every single little detail way beyond just is, like, the, the passing interest in the hobby. Yeah, well, that sounds pretty familiar, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, uh, does that sound, I guess, familiar to anything off the top of your head? Yeah, I mean, so so I do hyper focus, um, as your listeners will have heard about from the interview you just described. It's part of having ADHD. Um, it's not that we can't focus; it's a difficulty managing what we're focusing on and when. And uh, when I get into an activity, uh, yeah, almost anything, unless it's something that is like really unpleasant or boring. But if it's anything that remotely interests me, I'll get into it. So that happens to me when I'm working on cartooning or artwork. I will set out to work on something like I'm gonna, I'm gonna just refine the pencils on this one comic strip. You know, I, um, I'm gonna just add a few details here and there, fix it up, and then I'll move on to the inking stage. And what winds up happening is I spend three hours because I notice that the proportions on this one person's head are not quite right. 
and I wind up just sort of like drawing it over and over again and trying different things. And um, I, I was just talking about this with my therapist, in fact, because it's a huge time sinkhole for me, whatever the activity is that I'm doing. Uh, it's the same when I edit my, my own podcast. Um, I'll hear a weird noise in the background and I'll start thinking, oh, I could, I could edit that out if I really tried. And then I try and it doesn't quite work, but I learned something on that try. So I'm like, well, let me try again this different way. And I can't let it go. I keep thinking on oh, the next try, I'll get it right. And I, in my mind, I'm like, oh, it's just one more, one more try, one more try. It's going to be five more minutes. And it winds up being three, four, five hours. Right, right. It's kind of like trying to climb that brick wall. And it's kind like... Of every time you get like a little inch higher and you're like, oh, let me try again. Exactly. Exactly. Next time will be the time it'll work. Uh, and like, it's a learning process. I, so in a way it's not a total waste of time when I do stuff like that. Um, a lot of the time I am learning. It's just that I don't learn through like, well, let me go watch a YouTube tutorial on how to do this thing. <laughs> and then I will know how rather I'm just going to try it a million times and figure it out myself and still not do as well as I could have done if I had just, you know, bothered to stop, remove myself from the situation and um, recognize either that it wasn't important in the first place or that there was a, that there that other people have already done this and know how, and that I right. don't have to reinvent the wheel every time. Right. So that, that, that's, that is one big issue that I have uh, with hyper-focus generally. And more lately, <laughs> this is kind of embarrassing to admit, but my big hyper-fixation that is sucking up all my time is um, sort of bargain shopping. <laughs> or, okay, interesting. Yeah, like online shopping. Yeah, and it's not that I'm buying things things but I really really like browsing okay interesting. And, yeah yeah it's maybe not what you would expect but um there's something about online shopping that is it feeds into a similar impulse to what I just described where I like okay I had this idea I want this type of shoes but I don't want to pay more than 15 dollars but I want a decent quality pair and it has to be free shipping. <laughs> so okay. I'll, so you go on, say, Amazon, which I shouldn't shop at, but it's really fun to browse. And right. you put in your search terms or whatever, and you get these results. And then I think like, well, okay, what if I click on this shoe that's very similar to what I want, but not quite there. And I'll look at the other customers who viewed this also viewed. And then I'll click on those and see what customers also viewed. And then I'll try different search terms. And maybe if I modify my search terms this way or that way, I'll get different things. And I could just keep doing that continually for hours and hours. Oh, it's, man. It's, it's really wild because it's totally unconstructive. At least with the podcast editing or the cartooning, I could say I'm making some small, slow progress toward my goal of creating something. But with this, I'm just, it's just my version of like, just surfing, browsing online, just wasting time. Interesting. That's, I mean, I feel that a lot. I also fall into that rabbit hole of just really wanting to find like a good deal when you're shopping and mm -hmm. just like kind of killing it at some point where it's just like, I don't think uh, I'm going to find anything else at this point, no matter how much I Google. Right. Uh, <laughs> oh man. Is there a specific reason that you got into that? Yeah, I think it really so I think it really started with, I <laughs> I subscribed. Okay, so first of all, let's back up. I am a real sucker for Instagram ads. They're really well targeted. <laughs> they are and, very well designed. Yeah, I got an Instagram ad for one of those subscription services where um, they send you a box of items of clothing that you can choose to buy or not buy. And part of the whole process is that you fill out a little style profile, what you like, what you're into, and they encourage you to have a Pinterest board that okay. is examples of your style. So they can send you stuff that's your style. So I started making the Pinterest board. And that's another thing I could spend hours doing is just looking for looks for my Pinterest board. Okay. You know, cause it's another way, the way, a lot of it has to do with the way that these sites are structured. Right. And 
the way that when you see something you like and you click on it underneath, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that's related or similar. So it's, it is a rabbit hole. You could just continually go down different tracks, down different paths, looking at different things, finding things you didn't know you were looking for, and then you're on a whole different track. And so the, the, the Pinterest board sort of made me start really realizing what pieces I really wanted in my wardrobe and you know, which items would work well to um, sort of refresh and liven up my look. And then right. I started looking for those. And then that also coincided with the time of year when it was sort of the change of seasons. I am thinking maybe it was early spring and there are lots of clearance sales, like actual brick and mortar stores are having their clearance right. sales. And also the online stores are having their clearance sales and they're doing things like 50% off already redlined merchandise. Right. So you go in and I'm like, oh, I, I've never shopped at Ann Taylor in my life. What am I going to find here? And then it's like, well, this sweater's $5 right. <laughs> and it fits really well. And and then that is this um, incentive. It's that little dopamine rush or something that you're, I'm constantly looking for. If I can find that item, that really great item for really cheap. Oh, also, I should mention this. This is already like maybe a year ago, okay. a little over a year ago, the Lord and Taylor on Fifth Avenue was closing down. Okay. So for months and months, everything was on sale. And as they approached the final date of their closing, the discounts got bigger and bigger and bigger. But of right. course, the selection of merchandise got more and more sparse. And so I happen to be in that area on a regular weekly basis for a regular appointment I have there. So every time I pass by, I'd go in and be like, I'm just going to look. I'm just going to see if maybe there's a good pair of shoes. Maybe I need a jacket. Maybe they'll have a jacket. And then I wind up spending three hours scouring everything because that one piece that's at the great discount and it's an amazing price might be just around the corner. It may be the one pair of shoes I didn't look at. So I have to look at everything. And that, yeah, that was a big, um, that fed into this impulse a lot, along with the Pinterest thing and the spring clearance sales and all of that. So now I have this like taste for it and I constantly want to get that rush of finding the really cheap, great item. Definitely, definitely. And the idea of getting the taste for it um, mm -hmm. feels very familiar. Like for me, um, I myself... I didn't really get into like clothing and like having a taste for clothes and shoes until like just about like right after I graduated high school. Mm -hmm. um, before then, my taste in clothing and uh, just accessories was garbage. It still isn't that great. But <laughs> um, in the time period, you know, between high school and my freshman year of college, uh, I started getting into clothing more and I started browsing uh, like men's fashion uh, blogs and subreddits and things like that just like yeah. trying to learn more and more about it and getting a taste for it and then I was like I was shopping at stores that like I had never even thought about shopping before and things like that mm -hmm. and I think it's it's really interesting that like once you've once you get into that mindset and it kind of like grabs you it's that you start doing things that like you never even considered like part of your your mm -hmm. persona before I would sure. say yeah yeah and, I, can, I can see that yeah and then like I I don't hyper fixate on fashion as much anymore uh but I still have that as you said that taste for it where it's like where it's now part of me more now where now it's something that I consider a lot more, but it's not something as like I was as heavily focused on as I was in that period of time. You could maybe say it transitioned from being a hyperfixation to just being one of your interests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. And I find yeah. that that's like a pretty common trend in a lot of cases. Yeah, that the that the person has a hyperfixation for a period of time and then it becomes just an interest and doesn't consume them so much kind of yeah I think maybe for some people um there's a bit of that novelty factor at first mm -hmm. I'm not sure that could be uh I do 
gravitate toward novelty because I have ADHD and that's a big part of it too, is I get bored with things quickly. So I've never had a hyperfixation that has really stayed with me for like a prolonged amount of time, more than maybe a few years, but usually it's even a few months. Um, the the fashion thing is pretty recent and I, I suppose I've always been interested in fashion or whatever, but this sort of like obsessive browsing in, in real life and online is a pretty recent one. Uh, but I also, I just have a tendency to pick up habits and hobbies and, and interests. I'm always adding new things. So I never, yeah, I never am able to really devote time to the one thing. <laughs> right. Good at it. But like I, just this year I took up crochet and for a little while was pretty focused on that. And then I took up jewelry making, which, and I'm still doing both, but it goes, it, because I have so many of these little interests and hobbies, it sort of goes in waves. Like for a right. couple of weeks, I'm focused on the jewelry I want to make, but then I, ha I haven't touched my jewelry making stuff in a month because I've been uh, furiously crocheting everyone's Christmas presents. So um, I just always take on more than I have the time or the capacity or the attention for. And then I wind up spending an inappropriate amount of time zoning out, like browsing online. Right. Right. And I think that zoning out aspect is like kind of the big thing about it is that it just yes. kind of like, it's like kind of like putting the blanket over yourself and just like losing all sense of everything else going on around you. Yeah. And that's, that's really the appeal of it. And if it's not like online shopping or bargain hunting, it'll be Twitter. I don't do it so much on Twitter anymore, but Twitter used to be the one. And even, you know, I would be, even when there's nothing going on on Twitter, I, a few years ago, I would get into a cycle where I would browse Twitter and like, it's okay, okay, it's 2 a.m. I've read everything. No one's posting anything. Let me check Facebook. Oh, I have one notification. Let me check that. Well, let me check Twitter one more time before I go to bed. Oh, there's one notification. Let me check that. And you do this sort of cycle where you go through each social media site to check your notifications. And there's always like one thing to look at, but never anything interesting or good or worth your time. But just the cycling through them over and over again could take me hours. Right. And, and there's a certain kind of weird pleasure in it. I always felt bad afterwards because I was like, what was I just doing for that hour? But in the moment, it has a real pleasure to it. It is kind of almost meditative. Right. You, you are you are shutting out all of the other concerns, all of the shit that sort of sorry, do we can we curse on your podcast? Yes, yeah. Right? Yeah. First that that just sort of floats around your brain all the time. The anxieties um, the depressive thoughts, the work hanging over your head that you know you have to do and don't want to, or you're worried it's not going to get done, whatever it might be, all that stuff just kind of takes a back seat and you're completely focused on this one thing, even if it's pointless and meaningless, it's just, it is like a blanket. It's like a cocoon. It's an escape. Right, right. It's almost like, um, what's what do you call them those like sensory deprivation chambers where it's just <laughs> like you know you're yeah 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 and I think there's a way in which a lot of like social media is designed um to mm. really just like keep that perpetual engagement which you know in many ways there's like something vaguely sinister about that or maybe not so vaguely yeah uh, it's and it's just, definitely sinister. <laughs> and to, uh, just thinking about like those Instagram ads you talked about and how they like kind mm -hmm. of you know wheedle at you and uh, try to get you to be like oh wow you can make this like uh, bespoke box for you. I think bespoke box actually is like a real brand <laughs> now that Pro I think about probably. it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've gotten ads for that, um, but. You know, there's that way in which, like, they're perpetually trying to be like, hey, like, come back here, like, come into yeah. this and that. And I think, like, the biggest, like, 
or the biggest culprit of that is like when you're looking at like what's trending or the hashtags on Twitter and uh-huh. it's just like, oh, I can just like perpetually look at everyone's responses. Yes. Yeah, that's it's really taps into something that I think is not only deep in your brain wiring and chemistry, but I think it's kind of primal. There are a few sort of essential drives that people have. And one of them is socializing, being social, interacting with other people is a really important human need. And it absolutely stimulates pleasure parts of your brain to be engaged in social interaction. And social media plays upon that and gives you the that little feeling of that gives you and it is social interaction so like it's not a bad thing per se but the but the mechanism of it the way it's structured is really designed in a way to always give you just like you said there's always another hashtag you can click or a, a tweet you can click and look at the responses to that and then the responses to that and there's conversations going on and things going on and you all it also plays on the whole FOMO thing that right. people are talking about something and I need to know what it is and I need to be part of that conversation or I need to be up to speed on it if you if I miss it for a couple of days I'm going to miss out on whatever the thing is that's happening they they play upon those instincts and and really like make it an algorithm right in a way that is yeah designed to just suck you in and keep you there and it works right right and it's uh uh there's just like the the grossness of like I'm thinking of like Facebook now and like how mm-hmm. even if you're trying to like get out of that ecosystem the way kind of like pervades into everything else like if you delete your Facebook well you lose your Instagram and you lose your Facebook messenger so it's like yeah you are yeah, you're perpetually yeah. caught into that like that's the thing that's kept me from deleting my Facebook is like well well then I lose Instagram and I lose messenger and I still keep up with friends in those ways but I hate Facebook and it's like yep right yeah. I yeah my my Facebook is basically dormant like it I it's just sitting there uh, so I hope nobody's been trying to like contact me through it or something because I never ever check it. But yeah, you can't delete it. I mean, I can't delete mine in part because I also have a page for Gynostar, right? A- and um, and also for the podcast, though I never check that one. Um, but I can't delete those, so I have to keep that. And I definitely, I I absolutely have had to make hard choices about which social media to spend any time on. Right. Because there are so many. And it was not my intention to become obsessively uh, attached to Pinterest. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But there, there does come a point. The nice thing about Pinterest is there does come a point where you sort of have seen what's there. Right. It's like, I get, okay, I know who the fashion bloggers are and I've seen their pictures and I get the gist uh, I'm not I'm not going to continue to find anything new if I keep clicking, um, right. which is too bad for them. They need to figure that part out because I, I can stop doing that. Whereas with Twitter, it's much harder because there's right. always new content, constantly new content. Right. And I think with Twitter, like it's a spe- like the idea of how it's like it's this form of social interaction, but it's always on and it's always everyone because it's in writing it's everyone like at their most quippiest it's everyone right uh having like even though it seems so instantaneous everyone does have the time to like write out their tweet and like give a second before they shoot it off so that like every everyone is performing at their at their maximum for the most part and it's interesting that you use the word performing, too, because it is a performance. Everyone right. is performing for each other. And that's why we've all started to talk about our own brands. Right. <laughs> Social media has made us all brands. We try to sort of cultivate an image of ourselves that we present to others. It's um, remarkably absorbing and fun to do that. Right. It's probably not 
healthy, especially when we do it in this hyperfixated way. But it's fu- it's gratifying. There is pleasure in it. Right. Like it's fun. Like mm-hmm. that's the hard part. It's just really fun. Yeah. And the the kick that you get, the the sort of uh, um, you know brain chemical kick that you get when you tweet something that takes off a little. You get a lot of retweets. You get responses. It it feeds right into those like deepest, most primal parts of your brain that want that feedback. Right, right. It's that um, that weird dopamine rush. And I feel that um, yeah. I once had a couple years ago, I had a tweet that went viral. And it was bizarre to me. It was because um, it was something that I didn't expect to go viral. Um, mm-hmm. And then like, by the end of the week, like I checked the engagement and it had like 1.5 million like engagements or something no it was ridiculous (laughs) and it was like what the hell like I and like I couldn't even open Twitter like literally the amount of notifications I got would crash the app it's insane that it's but there's something so pleasurable about it (laughs) right it's like and even before I started to limit my Twitter I would get into it with like trolls and stuff especially during Gamergate and that right. whole time period I once or twice uh, tweeted either got retweeted by someone who was more prominent and targeted by Gamergate or happened to tweet something that came across the feed of someone from Gamergate those types of things happen now yeah. and then and so they jump into your mentions and it's like insanity. You you can't, your phone's like blowing up. You have to turn off all notifications because right. there's hundreds and hundreds of people in your mentions. And even if it's all negative, like to me, I understand for a lot of people that's extremely difficult. It's not right. easy to open your phone and it's like, you stupid idiot, you bitch, dumbass, whatever. Like that, right. they'll use all kinds of slurs. To me, I I still get that dopamine rush from it. It's still like it's attention. <laughs> right, right. It's exciting. It's like I did something. I I had an impact. I I I got a rise out of somebody. Uh, and and every once in a while I'd get into arguments. Or there was that one time when I um started responding to these guys with Princess Bride quotes and they didn't recognize yeah. them and were responding back and I just kept sticking to the princess bride quotes. I can't tell you how fun that was. Like right. I, I went out that evening to some event. I think a friend um, had an art opening or something. And the whole time, all I wanted to do was check my Twitter and, and tweet more princess bride quotes and see what responses I was getting. It, it was so fun. Right. Right, and like it, trolling is fun. Like it, it's fun. It is. It's super fun to troll. And look, I've that's something I've been doing for a long time because I'm old and I used to troll on ya- the Yahoo comment section before anyone had dreamed of Twitter or even MySpace when all there really was were um <laughs> bulletin boards and and comment sections and I thought I had invented trolling you know right but I figured out that if you say things that are outrageous but just plausible enough to be something someone could believe you could really upset people right really get them going and I thought it was really funny and fun and it's the same thing it's that same weird dopamine rush that you get it's the excitement of waiting to see what the responses are and they respond to you and then you come back at them. And then it's just really like a little roller coaster. It's a little emotional roller coaster. Right. It's having that fun of setting like these little like social traps and like mm-hmm. waiting for someone to fall into it just so you can like point and laugh at them and then yep. set the next trap. It's like Bugs Bunny setting like the rakes for someone to keep hitting themselves with. A good analogy. <laughs> yeah, that that's how it feels. And and it feels you makes you feel powerful, which is a very good feeling. But when it comes down to it, it's 
it is something that supplies my brain with that feeling that it is really hard for my brain to get through more constructive activities. Right. Right. There's something uh, I don't. Is it is it just like the social inter like the social interaction or maybe like the social manipulation of it or just the fact that you're like punking someone who's kind of a jackass like it's I'm all those things I mean I I to me I think it really is attention it's just yeah. that like you know the kid who can't tell the difference between good attention and bad attention that's me I I just like the attention but I. I also am always cognizant what you do in a, on a message board or in a comment section or on Twitter is done publicly. It's a performance. So even if I'm only tweeting back and forth or messaging back and forth with this one person, as long as it's not in DMs, it's a public performance. Right. And I've, you know, I used to do theater in high school. I've always liked that. I've always liked performing. And there's just a different manifestation of that that's even easier because I don't actually have to be physically in front of any audience. Right. And, um, yeah, it, if I look back over the course of my experiences with the Internet, even when the Internet was, was a baby and I had all these tech-savvy high school friends who were – uh, who were posting on, I don't know, Usenet boards and things that are ancient now, nobody remembers. Mm -hmm. This was before before World Wide Web, you know? Right. And, and I was already doing it. I was trolling people. <laughs> I, would, I would post things just to get a rise out of people and be outrageous. And these were just my high school friends at the time. But even then, like, I recognized it somehow instinctively as something I liked. The opportunity to perform in this social way and get attention. Right. Right. Oh, that's, that's yeah. fun to think about <laughs> in terms of uh, trolling and all that. Because yeah. um, I think there's, um, you know, I think there's a way in which, like, it could also, because you're a very um, public woman on the internet uh, with all that entails in doing that, um, and someone who talks about politics and has opinions. Um, Indeed. I, <laughs> you, uh, I have seen, you know, the many trolls that you get on your Twitter account. Um, mm. There are a lot of them. So, like, uh, the idea that it's not just, you know, like, defensive but it's also like fun to mess with these people and it's fun to just like get a rise out of them yeah it it is it is it does make you feel kind of powerful and I know they're doing it because it makes them feel powerful and or they're just Russian and they're being paid to do right. it which is often true um but yeah I guess, you know, people say that there's this high they get from exercising, you yeah. know, that, that there's this great feeling you get when you finish a workout. And I've had that feeling. I've had that little feeling of euphoria, like, oh, I feel so great after workout. That is nothing compared to the rush I get from trolling a troll on Twitter. Right. Right, when you come up with that just, like, piffy remark, and it's yeah. just, like, especially, like, and when you're looking at, like, the likes that you get from, like, people yeah. noticing, like, your clever reply and whatnot, yeah. it's yep, just, yep, yep, like, yep. and you're, like, oh, I'm so yes. gratified at this moment. Uh, like, hook it to my veins, give me yeah. more likes, <laughs> give me more retweets. Like, yeah. um, uh, just, like, so, um, that viral tweet that I had mentioned, it was, like, some tweet that I had said about, like, me not really liking MAGA parody hats very much, because for the most part, like, from a distance, they're pretty indistinguishable from the real thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so, like, I was just like, yeah, like, I don't like MAGA parody hats, they're kind of dumb. Uh, and then, like, 
that blew up. And so like, I had so many people in the replies being like, but what about my MAGA parody hat and some <laughs> picture of it? And I would just reply, still don't like it. And I I would get like <laughs> hundreds of likes on those replies of just like a barely any effort. It's just me being like, nope. Yeah. And it's just like, everyone's just like, 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 like. And I'm like, wow, I'm right? a star. You feel like a rock star, right? You're like, I am somebody important. No, but it it is just primally so gratifying. It's so pleasurable and fun to to do stuff like that. And in large part because of the, because of the, um, you know, praise and appreciation you get from others. But also even without that, it's still (laughs) weirdly fun. Right. Yeah, so I, I actually have had to strictly limit myself where social media is concerned because I, that is a hyperfixation that would absorb my entire life if I allowed it. Right. And that space kind of gets taken up by other things like online shopping or browsing online um, just because I need that release. I need that, I need that time to just, zone out right right like that just needing to move from one thing to the other because it's it's not necessarily what it is but the occupation yeah of your of your mind your mental space yeah yeah I think that's fair and and I can to some extent no to a large extent I can be realistic and limit myself with the browsing. You know, I can say, okay, after I get these tasks done, I can give myself a reward of, I will have 15 minutes to shop for this one thing I need. Usually it doesn't turn out to be 15 minutes, but, um, or I can save it for the evening after and past the hour when it's realistic for me to get anything productive done. Uh, But with social media, I am a lot less good at at setting those boundaries. So I have to not allow myself, like I still go on social media, but I don't engage with trolls. If I find myself starting to, I make myself stop, you know, I have to really uh, be careful with it because it could, it becomes all consuming really quickly. Right. Uh, The way it kind of like comes at you, because in all the other ways, it's very like you kind of have to like actively shop for things you have to like actively mm-hmm. look for this and that uh whereas like social media it's like you get on and it's just like here comes the, all the tweets at you yeah that's so true that's a really good point and it will you know with i definitely have no push notifications because if i I, I used to, you know, every time you see you have a notification, you look, it's like, oh, somebody hearted my tweet. And then, oh, another notification, you look, somebody say, I don't need to look at Twitter every time someone likes one of my tweets. Right. Because, of course, when I look, I'm going to stay. So, you know, the first step is turning off those notifications. And then um, it really it really did help me to step back and say, like, I don't have to argue with people on here. I've done that. I've been there. I, I've been arguing with people on the internet for a long time. Is it really that fun? And so I don't argue, though I do still sometimes troll. I can't, it's hard not to. When, when they right. when they come into your mentions, how am I not gonna? Right. It's it's fun. It's it fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard not to. Oh man. Yep. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Well then, um, it's kind of fun. We, I did not expect to get all the way onto this long topic on social media from where right. we were. Um, but you know, it kind of all things eventually come back <laughs> to social media. It seems like. I, well, it's funny because I, I, you know, I gave up video games because of hyperfixation. I right. used to I used to play Civ 
hours and hours on end. Oh yeah. You know, I could play the one that more game turn. The one more turn thing, right? Yeah. It's just like, oh, just right, this, just this one more turn. I'll, I'll come to bed after this turn, and you know, oh well, they just attacked my right. city. I have to one more turn. Um, and I gave that up, and that got kind of replaced with social media pretty quickly. And I haven't given up social media, although I also, I have, look, I have a Switch now. I feel like I'm able to play video games without getting hyper fixated now. And I somehow sort of got to that place with social media, but I feel like there's just always going to be something that's going to fill that void. There's always going to be something that absorbs me um, and that I use to escape dealing with the world and everything else right it's like i so often it's kind of like that thing that's most convenient and with social media it is that thing that's most convenient oh Uh, yeah for me recently actually because you mentioned the switch uh i myself own a switch and like recently just playing like the new pokemon has been like eating up a lot of my time because it's just like oh when I go on my break at work I'm gonna play a little bit on my switch when (laughs) I'm home like you know like can I just like chill on the couch like my girlfriend's watching tv gonna play a little more on the switch like it's like convenience I feel like is a big part of it like if it's very easy to jump into then you'll do it I talked with a friend about this, about, like, the idea of, like, hyperfixation as a form of inertia, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where it's just, like, if you just keep moving, it's really hard to stop until something acts upon you to stop. That's a really good way of putting it, I think. It, it is a form of inertia, and it, the internet has just enabled it so much. right. What even if um, it weren't social media or online shopping, whatever interest you have, you can look it up online, and there's just going to be endless amounts of material where you can, you know, read about this historical period that interests you, or find you know new crochet ideas or whatever it might be. It, you could do that endlessly now what did what did people <laughs> hyperfixate on before the internet right well, it's video games for sure but well, yeah definitely but other yeah. than that it, it's it makes me wonder if i didn't have the internet if i didn't have social media you know in my pocket and online shopping in my pocket if i didn't have the computer what would i be doing to to get that gratification to get that sort of meditative in the zone or rather zoned out in some cases feeling. Right. I think there's a really fascinating way in which like the internet and hyperfixation converge. There's um like one thing I find really interesting is the way that people who like grew up and went to school having the internet versus people who did it and mm-hmm. that and them both having hyperfixative behavior in that people who didn't have the internet in school often talk about like not being perceived as like being good students or being uninterested in school whereas like myself and a lot of other people who have hyperfixative behavior who did grow up like with the internet and like having you know the internet being part of like their school curriculum and stuff like that um how like school was very engaging because for me I could like in middle school I could have been on Wikipedia for hours yeah on end that's really interesting when I was a child in the dark ages um we had an actual world book encyclopedia like a physical book you know with all the different volumes and I used to just read it (laughs) Right. I would just browse through it and find articles that were interesting. I fucking love that thing. Um, my favorite, one of my favorite volumes was the sea. I, cause it had costume, which was about okay. like traditional clothing of different countries and it had colors. 
So it talked about color theory, but also like light and color. And it had these um, cool optical illusion things <laughs> yeah. that you could look at. Um, and it had cartooning was in that one. Right. That, that was probably my favorite volume. So much so that I remember it now. Right. It, and um, so, yeah, I, I, I've often thought about what, I, what my life would have been like if I'd had the internet at that age, because it really only started to be a thing when I was in high school. And even that was the very, very early days. Right. And I tend to assume that it would have destroyed me because I would have found places like Tumblr uh, or wherever where I could just create an online persona for myself and escape from the real world. And, and I would have just done that probably. It would have been bad news for me, I think. <laughs> right. And, you know, it's it's really interesting the way in which um, I guess the internet is kind of perceived and what it's used by for various groups of people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm a, I'm a youngin. I'm a, right. I'm a real young lad. <laughs> Born in... 96 but uh there yeah am. yes um but so like for me like the internet has always just been there right it has never not existed for me um like I was probably using the family computer when I was like three or four years old right um right. so like it's weird to not think about having that as like just like having the internet there as like an ever present search tool, you know, to not yeah. have Google or Yahoo or something. Well, I think for uh, for people my age, like I'm Generation X age, I guess, mm -hmm. um, it's similar. We remember what it was like before, but it's still become such a part of life you, that it's hard to imagine. Like I do sometimes stop and think what did I do before? Like, how did I spend my time? Right. What What was I doing? How did I learn things? What did we do when we were out at a bar and we, we disagreed on something that was a matter of fact, you know, like, how did we figure out who was right? Right. <laughs> we didn't. <laughs> right. You I, just kind of like went on with your, with yeah. your night, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Like, <laughs> But it, it um it's so you take it for you get you get adapted to it so quickly and right. become completely dependent on it so quickly that I right. honestly I can't remember. I know that when I was in like high school, junior high, high school, I, I read a lot. Right. I read a lot of fiction. I got would get very absorbed in fiction. I wonder if I didn't have the internet or video games, would I be doing that now? Um or would I would I have sort of grown out of that because I don't really read that much fiction anymore? Is that because I have these other things absorbing my time? Or did I actually lose interest in it? I don't really know. Right. It's really interesting. Like, I also, I used to read a lot. Like, a lot, a lot. Um, at... I would just like I would go through books um constantly okay. and yeah. I can remember like there the transition point of me like not reading books anymore is when like the internet got very good at um like being able to produce stable like video content like YouTube and stuff oh, uh, like how 2006 2007 like that's the point where, like, there's all this new stuff that you can engage with that it's like, oh, well, this is so much more in your face. It's so much more active. It's so much more like that, 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 that. Yeah. That yeah. it's like, how you know, how does a novel compete? With that, yeah. Yeah, especially for a child, at least. Oh, for sure. Yeah, uh, that's absolutely part of it. Um, I, but I do know the one thing I can say is if it weren't for the internet, if it weren't for digital media, generally 
there would be something else I would figure out how to waste right. my time doing. Right. Right. I've always been able to do that. When I was when I was really young, I would just just draw, but not make drawings. I would sort of doodle and um and I would get so absorbed in my doodling where I would make up stories that, you know, imagine what the people were saying to each other. And again, it wasn't like I was producing artwork. I was just like creative. It was creative. It was a creative activity, but I wasn't like creating a finished piece right. to show anyone. And I wasn't sketching or um, like improving my skills or something. It was just sort of like it was like playing with dolls, but right. I was drawing them instead of actually playing with the physical dolls. Right. Um, it, or I could have been playing with dolls sometimes. Either way, I would get so absorbed in it. Um, you get really into this imaginary world. So I think there's there's always been something and there always will be something that will absorb me. <laughs> Even if it's like a piece of paper and a pencil, right. I will I will get hyper focused on it for hours. Right. Oh man. I miss kind of that sense of play. I me too. I uh, sort of miss that just really being able to you, use my imagination like that and get so into what you're imagining. Right. Oh man. Okay. Well, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Well, uh, we're getting close-ish to an hour here. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm going to say, um, do you have anything else on your mind uh, that you want to talk about at this moment? No, I, I think this was a lovely conversation. I really enjoyed talking to you about social media and other things that have been occupying me disproportionately <laughs> <laughs> well this has been a very fun conversation thank you so much for taking the time on your saturday to do this uh no do you want to let people know where they can find you sure um you can find me on all the various social media platforms as at gynostar g-y-n-o-s-t-a-r and you can find my podcast. It's called The Sauce at saucepodcast.com or on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. But you should look up The Sauce with Maya Garantz and Rebecca Cohen because there's a lot of podcasts that have sauce in the name. All right. Cool. And I'll make sure to put some links in the notes for the podcast so people can find you all real easily. Maybe Thanks. one day I'll get Maya on this as well. Yeah. Um, that'd be fun. But <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for coming on here. Hope you have a good rest of your day. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. You have a good day too. All right. Bye now. Bye bye. Thanks again to listening to My Girlfriend Hates My Podcast. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening to this. Alright, peace.